You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate, please feel free to do so at 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We do have some new callers. Just a little heads up as to what's going on. Um, Didn't get any podcasts out, uh, not this morning or last night. Almost didn't, well, I don't even know if, honestly, I'm going to have time to finish this. I may not, but um, lot, just a lot going on. Got the kids' football. We got the girls' soccer. We got the girls' uh, dance recital. We've got uh, the oldest has got prom. Uh, just, it's nonstop family stuff. So uh, on top of that, you know, we've got the little ones. Even if I don't have to participate in something, like taking the big one to prom, still got to watch the, the baby because, you know. That's just how things go. And of course, nothing is close by and everything is an all-day event. So, I will do my best to sneak in an episode here. In fact, I... What time is she supposed to get picked up? I might have some time. We might have some time. I'm going to try to keep it a little bit short, though, just just in case, because I want to make sure this gets up today. Anyways, starting with uh, new caller number one, make sure we got some volume. What's going on? Hey, Froggy 101, am I the 111th caller? (laughs) Yeah, please don't play my earlier one. Uh, That's an office reference. But anyway, this is Beth from Alaska. Um, I just wanted to weigh in on the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. I feel like there's a lot of putting us all into a dichotomy of Rodgers haters and Rodgers lovers. And, you know, I'm somebody who doesn't really defend the guy. He's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But I also really appreciate the play he had. And, yeah, there's... I don't... Beth, I'm sorry. I don't think that's allowed. I think... Here's the, here's the thing. Um, if you complain about anything, you don't get to say you appreciate him. You are only a hater. I, I don't make the rules. I'm just letting you know. There's a lot of, you know, reports of how he treated players and all of that. But that's rumors, and can we really judge him based on that. I mean, surely we can judge him on some of the stuff he did and some of the things he didn't do in the offseason and all the other things that are completely legitimate. But I guess what I'm saying is there's some of us that are so happy that we moved on and ready for the love era. 
But uh, also wish Rodgers nothing but the best. And if we're not in the Super Bowl and he gets a ring, no. get on the old no. man. So anyway, no, 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 no. I just feel like it's not so far apart. I think there's a lot of us that are in the middle. So that's just my thought. Uh, I think we did pretty good on the draft. I'm pretty pumped. Wasn't totally sold on the Lucas Van Ness uh, choice at 13, but he's growing on me. And uh, anyway, I feel like we're not so far apart as Packer fans. Go Pack Go. Bye. So I'll, I'll start with this. There was a time when I was fine with the, if we're not going to do it, Rogers should you know go be successful and do all that stuff. That, that was my contention a while ago. But now that um, our pick is tied to their failure, I can't be on that train anymore. I think some people are um, in terms of they would rather him be successful than for us to get a higher pick. I can't. I can't. I can't. I just can't. Not anymore. Um, but yeah, no, I, I am glad that you mentioned that because it, it almost feels like I, I feel defensive no matter what I say. Maybe it's just the way that I'm wired because I, whenever I say things, I try to think about what people are going to say, which is probably why I ramble so much when I make a point because I'm thinking of all the counterpoints and I'm trying to address them, even though none of you are actually sitting there with counterpoints, you're just listening to a show. But I'm like, but, 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 but that, just, just to clarify, because I'm arguing with my own self and my own brain. But even as I say things, I'm hearing people argue with me about stuff. And then I just start getting revved up about it, and that's probably unnecessary. So, although it's been more negative than positive lately, just by nature of the way things have gone recently, whenever I start down that path, it does make me feel like I'm on guard. You know, I'm 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 in the trenches against all the you know I'm with the the haters against the the Rogers lovers, and but it, it is stupid. All I'm trying to do is say a thing that I that I think. There are things that I like and there are things that I don't like. And if I like the thing, I say I like the thing. And if I don't like the thing, I say I don't like the thing. And if you think that I'm just being a hater or just being a bootlicker or whichever side of the thing that I happen to be on, you can shove it because you're an idiot. That that should be my thought process. But it's not. I, I, I get into that mode of, all right, let's do battle. And it's stupid. There's no battle. I'm just making a statement. But Beth, I appreciate you reaching out from Alaska. Are, are you... Uh, you ever met Steve? I'm guessing there's only one or two Steves out there. So if you know a Steve, <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I that was a joke. I know, I know there's more than one Steve in Alaska, but I'm just wondering. New caller number two. Hey, Pat, Daddy. Uh, this is Jastin from Idaho. Jastin. I've been first off, just want to say thank you for your podcast. I've been listening to you clear back since the Brett Hundley days, which were bleak, but uh, you helped help me get through. Uh, my commutes to med school when I was too busy to really pay attention to articles I'd normally like to read beforehand. So sure. appreciate you and, and your rants and all your deep dives on these topics. Um, so here's, here's the question I have, something I've been thinking about. You mentioned the other day that the Vikings GM is kind of an analytics guy. Yeah. And that um, part of the analytics discussion is that you probably should trade back in the draft. And I'm kind of tying this in with – with that thought of making sure you get the best value out of your draft. Um, it kind of makes sense, your, your analogy of like getting more swings at it, right? Where I kind of have some questions about that, that analogy and how it relates to the draft is, is at some point, like if you were to just go with like, hey, I'm trading back, you could theoretically like get the trade back your first, second, your fifth round, you get like half of the sixth round and all these seventh round picks, right? And then you're going to be full of like, 
50 players that are, that could be, you have all these shots of making, you know, like here's all your, your lottery ticket swings, but half those guys aren't going to even make it on the roster. Cause I mean, you're, you're talking about you, what you're really trying to get from a draft is, is not just a guy who can, I mean, you have 53 spots, right? I mean, if you want to include practice squad, maybe there's more, but there's even fewer than that that actually make it on the field. Right. Um, and so I guess my question is, is like, you're trying to find these players that can make the 53, can make the 11 people on the on the on the field, and you're trying to find these guys that are better than who's on your roster already, and better than who you'd already be getting in the undrafted free agency. And it kind of feels like to me, the lower down you get in those draft picks, right. the less likely you are to actually have a guy that's going to be above the value of you're getting from UDFA's. So I guess I'm curious. Because obviously you're not suggesting we like trade all of our picks and keep going down to like seventh round because that's not even a thing. But but I wonder like what from the analytics standpoint, what is the amount that you should be trading back? Like how many picks should you be accumulating that are going to be reasonably and realistically making your roster over other guys? Or is this just a stupid question and nobody's thinking about this? Hey, thanks again. Yeah, I mean I like you said you, you don't want to. Trading back and then getting the entire sixth and seventh round is probably not going to be as as valuable as just getting one first and one second round pick. I mean, in reality, that's that's probably the case. Now, how do you blend? Because because it, it's all still analytics to some degree. I don't know what the numbers are, but you you have to incorporate the trading back with this sort of natural curve as far as things falling off. I think the larger point is that we overvalue the top end of the curve. And so we overvalue, for example, if you could trade back, I, I don't know, let, let's say you could go back from pick, uh, I don't want to be too ridiculous, but let's say pick five to pick seven and get a second round pick or something crazy, because it's or, or pick three to five or something. I don't know, because again, I don't know exactly how the curve falls or whatever, but I think the point is we would overvalue pick three and our ability to, to uh, scout and know that this is the guy. Rather than saying the value, generally speaking, between three and five is negligible, and then we get to add a second round pick. But it is kind of marrying the curve, generally speaking, with the value. And and even that, I, I don't 100% know, because at what point do you recognize that the curve is... is um, so this is where it gets tricky between how much do we trust our, our scouting. You don't want to say zero because then you could just have, you know, robots do our drafts for us, which I'm sure some analytics people would, would appreciate. But for example, if, if you have a draft and your scouts determine that this is a really loaded top end draft or a really deep draft or a really shallow draft, you know, trying to look at the general curve and then trying to understand the difference in this draft and how that curve might look, and then also trying to max... Because, again, we're not trying to necessarily maximize picks. We're trying to maximize value. And so, you know, again, it kind of comes back to the... If you're going to trade in a $20 bill, you want to at least get two tens. And I think the, the point is, it's, it's not necessarily true that we want just a bunch of... You know, it's more valuable if we have a bunch of ones, although the analogy breaks down because 20 ones is the same thing. But it's just the fact that we don't actually see the value properly. And I guess a better way to, to just look at it is our, our trade chart is just completely jacked up. And it has been evolving, right? The Jimmy Johnson trade chart was the old one. And then we had the secondary one. And now there's like a third one that's that's even better. And, and I think every single time it um, is going to make it more 
trade back friendly. And 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 the crazy thing is, it kind of seems like some of the NFL is still using Jimmy Johnson. So, for example, when I looked at the Packers trade for Aaron Rodgers, I forget exactly how it panned out, but it was like exactly, it, it was an exactly even trade using the Jimmy Johnson thing or something. I, I forget exactly what it was, but it, but it was using the Jimmy Johnson chart. And so maybe that would be a better way of thinking about it is, again, it's not just that trading back is the better option. It's just that we're overemphasizing the higher picks. And so generally speaking, trading back is usually going to net you more value because there are teams that are valuing that one higher pick than the two or three picks that they're going to be giving up. I think maybe that's a better way to say it, to, to kind of incorporate what you're saying, which is true. And then there's also the other side of it, which is, well, there's, there's also a limit to the amount of players you can have. And that is a true point to some degree, but I, I, I don't think you usually get to the point where that becomes a problem. I understand for the sake of argument, you could say that it does become a problem. But even then, I mean, granted, you're going to have to cut some of these guys before you get a really good look at them. But let's say you, you ended up drafting like 25 people and you could only put 15 on your team. I'm guessing by the time we get to the cutdowns, there are 10 that you can identify that are probably not going to become great football players. And so even if you over-maximize beyond what you're going to be able to keep, that's fine. Because again, let's say there's like 15 really, really, really good players in this draft. If you get 50 pieces... You can eliminate 25 that are probably not going to be it. You know what I mean? Like you're hoarding it so that you can get a really good look and you get kind of first pick of the guys that are probably going to be it. It's almost like in a, I don't know what you'd call it. I mean, we're obviously talking nonsense because this is never going to happen. But what I'm saying is even if you drafted more than you can keep, I still think that there would be a lot of value in that. Aside for the part where you got to pay them and then cut them and that would suck. But you get first look at them. It's like getting really in-depth private workouts with, you know, I don't know, what would that be, a, a fifth of the draft class, and then getting first pick of the litter of whichever ones you want, and then just letting the rest go. You might still miss some, but you're going to miss a lot in the draft anyways if you don't draft them. At that point, you just really suck if you put them through all that and you still can't pick them. So it's right to a point, but also at the same time, I wouldn't even care if we overdrafted beyond what we could keep. Good question. Thank you. It's good because it, it helps to kind of refine the thought process, right? Especially when you kind of talk in shorthand, like it's always better to trade back. Well, not necessarily, you know. Is it better to trade back from pick one to pick 30 for four fourth or four seventh round pick? No, of course not. Because it's not just more. And it's not just back. Hey, Ryan, I called two calls ago about the kicker thing. Uh, they're all usually worse always in college. Um, I guess one thing I just thought of that I actually didn't put in there is that in college, I don't really watch college, but the hashes are out way wider, right? Like they're way, like in the, in the NFL, they're very tight in the middle of the field. They're a lot wider in college, so, you know, a lot of times you are kicking from the hash because a lot of plays go to the outside. So if you're kicking from, you're kicking more of an angle, um, A, it's going to hurt your distance because the ball, you know, that angle adds distance. And B, it's probably a little harder to kick it, you know, get a, get a good kick into the uprights. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That, that could also be a big factor. Go back up. Yeah, that is a good point. I, th- I think it just goes to the, again, the, larger issue of whatever is involved in college kicker scouting um we're only seeing what feels like maybe 10 percent of it when we look at it even though it feels like it should be a hundred percent like <laughs> field goal accuracy that's pretty much all there is right but i i'm sh- i can't even really begin to fathom what else they'd be looking at you know i mean e- even 
I remember one of the things with J.K. Scott that they were working on was was kick time. If you think about it, like I, I wouldn't have thought it. It's like, what do you got? You got hang time and you got distance. Like those are the two variables. There's really nothing else, you know, shank percentage or something. Well, no, there's also like from the time you get the ball in your hand, how long does it take you to kick it? That's a big deal. Like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Probably going to get a lot more blocked kicks if, uh, if, if it's even like a half a second longer. So anyways. Hey, Ryan, I know uh, you get a lot of calls and... Now here I am calling it a bunch, uh, all backed up. But anyway, I think... For the record, that's pretty much what most people at this point do. It's it's two to three to four calls in a row, but it's all right, man. You got a lot to a lot to say. Uh, it'd be a good segment for every offseason. Um, and I've always... I hate reviewing a draft class right after it's done. Um, so I think you should do it four years. Like, players... Uh, going into either, either going into their fourth year or going into their fifth, fifth year, you know. So either they they got one year left on the rookie deal or they're already done with it. Um, I'd love to review those classes, and we're so close to the draft. Maybe we don't need to do it right now, but you know, between now and the start of the season, I think that'd be a really good episode to review. You know, the draft classes that we had, and you don't even have to compare it to other teams. I just love to know, you know, how how did these players end up working out? Because I guarantee you, in every draft, there's gonna be somebody that everybody was excited about. That ended up being terrible. He's probably not on the team anymore. And there's players that who are like, who is that? Or like, had no idea. Or like, just thought they were going to suck. That are good contributors and still on the team. So, I don't know. If you want to do something like that, I'd be interested. Go back up. Yeah, the, the funny part about how we always do this is we say that, um, you know, it, it's we all generally agree it's useless to review a class that hasn't even taken a single snap. So we shouldn't really look at 2023. 2022 is not really hitting that three-year mark, so you can't really review it. But you can at least look back and say, hey, we could get excited about those guys. But even that is hard to get people to do. Everybody's moved on from Walker, Wyatt, Watson, and and you know the, the World Wide Web there. And then you go back to 2021, and it's like, hey, guys, should we talk about Stokes and Myers and Amari Rogers and Royce Newman? It's like, nobody, nobody cares. <laughs> no, nobody. And, and, and those are guys that have played two years. So really what we'd be reviewing is the 2020 class, which, of course, is hilarious because Jordan Love hasn't played yet. Dylan would get a really good grade, much higher than anybody would like him to get, just, you know, based on grades and statistics that are much higher than anybody would anticipate because let's be honest the guy gets a handful of snaps I mean he didn't play his rookie year hardly at all and um, on a team that doesn't seem to run the ball a ton there's a fairly even split but Aaron Jones still gets more so he he just doesn't get the ball a ton Uh, Josiah is becoming that guy which there's a lot of these over the years where it's like maybe next year are, are we has it gone on too long where it's we should just stop saying it or what however i think he missed pretty much his entire rookie year right he was out with an injury did he have another in, i thought he had another injury after that maybe not i don't know but 2021 uh no 2020 he was injured so he's had maybe two-ish years i guess this isn't a, a full review I'm, I'm just saying the the main point is nobody would want to even hear it because we all have kind of already made up our minds that you don't need me to tell you, like, hey, so uh, turns out A.J. Dillon's pretty good. Like, do we know Dillon's pretty good and, and Josiah's, like, kind of there, but probably not. Kamal was actually really weird. He was, like, my least favorite. I remember when I did my little scouting thing, I, I looked at 10, 15, 20 prospects per position, and I had Kamal way at the bottom, and we drafted him. And it was this is back uh, prior to 2022 when we used to just draft 
everybody I couldn't stand. Technically, 2023 was... Yeah, it wasn't really that way, because I did it differently, but in terms of, like, taking the guys high on everybody's board, this is back when we took who nobody wanted, right? Nobody thought Jordan Love was a good pick. Dylan was a massive reach. Jos- Josiah was a massive reach. Kamal, I think, was a huge reach. Plus, was really low on my own personal board. I think it wasn't until we got into the sixth round that some people got really excited, and I can't remember exactly who they were. I mean, all three of them had their their supporters, but I think Runyon was more like, this guy is cool because of his dad, and he's going to be mean. I thought Stepniak had some guys that really liked him a lot, too, but I can't really remember. But that was pretty it, pretty much it. I don't think anyone was over the moon about Vernon Scott or maybe Garvin. I don't know. But, again, reviewing it, Kamal, I didn't like, and then he came in and he graded out really, really well, and then we cut him. <laughs> I mean, I think I think there was a period where it was like he was really struggling or something, I don't know, but very unusual. Usually a guy, even guys that struggle stick around for a while, but there was something about Kamal where they're just like, this is never going to work. Um, finding a starting right guard in the sixth round is obviously pretty impressive. Even Jake Hansen being a backup is, is you know, a guy that can start on a kind of lowish level. Not bad. Stepniak is gone. Vernon Scott obviously has kind of served his purpose, as has Jonathan Garvin, and any value you can get out of the seventh round I think is is pretty solid. Not that any of them have been massively great, but I'll tell you what, Jonathan Garvin has actually been a pretty solid piece considering, you know, the Packers in particular need four pass rushers, and we've never really had four, like, established pass rushers. So Garvin has always kind of been that guy that's been a fill-in, and he's been fine. And honestly, the, the role that he's played is something that I would expect from maybe a mid-round guy. You know, you're never going to be Rashawn Gary, but you're, you're you know, it's kind of like Kingsley and Igbari. Like, okay, you're not going to be Rashawn, but you can fill in and you can do your job. Getting that from a seventh round pick is actually pretty solid. Now, again, obviously, the entire draft hinges on Jordan Love. If that was a bad pick, again, process aside, if we're just looking at how did the players turn out, your first round pick, which was a massive swing at a massive position, failed. Second round pick is solid, but he's a running back, so the value's low. Third round pick is a tight end, which if he doesn't produce this year, it's like, okay, kind of low value, and he didn't produce. Kamal Martin's already gone. Jonathan Runyon is solid, but again, he's a guard, which is not, again, the most important position in the world. Jake Hansen is a backup. Simon Stepniak is gone. Vernon Scott, uh, he's already off the team. Garvin is a, a role player. You know, it's not necessarily the worst draft from a how many starters did you get standpoint, but from a is there any top-end talent, not really. But if Jordan Love hits, I don't care if the second, third, fifth, sixth, 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 seventh, seventh round picks all tanked, which they didn't. If you have a franchise quarterback, that's it. The Packers, along with everybody else that got a quarterback in that draft, got the most value of anybody, which is why drafting a quarterback is a good idea. He could tank this 2020, 2020 and 2021 can be zero hits outside of Jordan Love, and he's still going to get more value out of Jordan Love than probably any other team, excluding teams that hit on quarterbacks. And I don't think it'll be close. If you don't believe me, look at how much value Aaron Rodgers brought. I'm not necessarily saying he has to be Rodgers, but just to show you, you go look at AV for the, the quarterbacks like Rodgers and guys that played 10, 15 years. Heck, look at Flacco. You look at, for example, Joe Flacco compared to Aaron Jones and the value that they've produced in their careers. It's Flacco by a mile. You say, well, he's played longer. That's true, but he's, he's going to play longer for eternity because Aaron Jones is never going to be in the league as long. He's a running back. It's part of the equation. So, like, one of the best running backs in football compared to a middling quarterback, it's uh, right now 56 compared to 122 using the 
uh, AV, which is approximate value, which Pro Football Reference puts together, just trying to approximate how much total value has been brought, uh, I guess, to, to a team. Aaron Rodgers, by the way, is at 231. This past year in 2022, when he really struggled, his AV was 13. I think Aaron Jones has hit 13 once in his career. That was the year he went to the Pro Bowl. So a down year for a quarterback is like peak running back. Rodgers' highest was 2011, obviously, when they won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, all that stuff. He had an AV of 23, which is like two really good years from Aaron Jones. So, again, the, the review hinges on Jordan Love. I would say it's a substandard draft unless Jordan Love hits, in which case it is elite, beyond elite. Teams spending generations trying to find quarterbacks. If you hit on one, especially late first round, oh, jeez. Hey, Randis Nate, just calling in because uh, I think I think I've uh, I've talked myself back into this draft class. Hey. Um, it took me a good long while. Usually does after Packers yes, drafts, but I don't know. I've, I've been watching some tape of these guys, and I kind of like them. Um, I mean, it's probably not what I would have done, but uh, again, I'm not a I'm not a GM for for good reason. Um, and I'm definitely not saying this because Tucker Kraft showed up at my house last night and gave me a savage chicken. <laughs> um, but I, I am supposed to say that Tucker Kraft is a great human and individual, and he would never do something like that. So I am curious, Nate, although I am probably about a week behind with these calls here. Um, who specifically got you turned around all this? Was it Tucker? Was it Reed? Lucas Van Ness? Everybody, man, I, I was watching watching you on Twitter try to tell these people that that he's not a good offensive lineman. Like, oh my god, dude! Do they they actually signed him? And and if you've been on Twitter, you you know who who I'm oh, referring yeah. to. But the Jets sign. I, I can't even put in the words like and then cheese ball is there. Of course, backing up Jets man, he's like, oh, you broke it, dunked on cheese ball, and you're a. Man, I'm sorry, dude. I I know we try to be nice on here, but he's not good. He's not good. Never was good. He wasn't good for us. He's not going to be good for them. That's all there is to it. <laughs> go back, go. Did get a little heavy-handed with the bleep button there because, um, like you said, we do try to be a little bit polite, and so I just figured let's just delete the whole thing. But at the same time, I didn't want to delete his entire call because, I mean, it's Nate. You know how, how he is with the, 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 the bleeps and whatnot. So, anyways, yeah, obviously this is referring back to, um, you know, the, the Billy Turner saga in which I had just, uh, I mean, honestly, and again, I had no negative interactions with Jet fans through this whole process. And then all I said was, guys, you got to stop listening to Rodgers, all right? Because we tried that and it doesn't work and Billy Turner is really bad. And Jets fans somehow found it. I mean, honestly, it was not even... Obviously, I wasn't direct. I didn't at anybody, so it was more of like a like an inside joke to Packers fans more than anything else. Like, right, guys? And then Jets fans found it and lost their mind. I don't know why they don't know Billy Turner, so why they decided to come to the defense of Billy Turner and then strangely at the same time talk about how great their offensive line is, so that they don't need him. As though that's and I should have just left it at that. Like, yeah, you know what? You're right. He's just a backup. Great call. He knows your offense. You know, good friends with uh, Rodgers and your uh, offensive coordinator and all that. Super great plan. You're right. You should just listen to whatever Rodgers says. And again, since it was the, the other argument they made is this has nothing to do with Rodgers. It's the offensive coordinator. Duh. 
Well, then immediately after that, Randall Cobb comes over. And then the funniest thing is that some people who don't actually listen to the entire press conferences or, or understand what people are saying, the head coach came out and um, said that this whole said that this whole list thing with Aaron Rodgers is ridiculous, right? And so some people get click happy and they're like, <laughs> he said it. No, what he said is ridiculous is that people are, are dumping on Rodgers for having a list because everybody has a list. He didn't even deny Rodgers had a list. He said, it's so stupid. You know, you think Tom Brady didn't have a list? I had a list. Everybody has a list. We all have lists. So he did have a list. The head coach basically just said it. So, you know, and can I just say, and again, as somebody who couldn't give two craps about Aaron Rodgers saying immunized, because at least that, for to some degree, I can understand it. Very heated topic, and you don't want to just come out and say, nope, vaccines are for idiots, right? Because that's not going to go over very well. So you tell the team, like, look, I didn't get the stupid shot, okay? I did some other stuff, which should be good enough, but, you know, according to doctors, it's not. But hey, I got my own doctors who say different stuff, but whatever. I did stuff, but I'm not doing that stuff that you want me to do, just so you know. And then the Packers media comes out, and they're like, hey, did you do the shot? And he's like, look, man, I got immunized, man. Healthy as a horse. On crack, dude. Straight up ready to rock and roll. It was a little slippery, but it served some purpose. But then you've got the whole thing with him coming out in, in the cell phone. Oh, I don't get service. Which, again, is kind of the same thing, but it's like we're getting so deep into stupidity now. Because at least maybe you could have got away with the immunized thing. Nobody's buying this. And this, this, this again, goes to the whole thing with uh, Rogers. Somebody had said recently, very conflict-averse. He does not want conflict. Which is, first of all, why he said he was immunized rather than saying, I didn't get the, sh get the shot. It's why he didn't pick up the phone when Gutekunst called. He wanted to avoid any conflict. It's why, when asked about it, he just lied about not getting cell service. I mean, he's a, he's, he's a borderline compulsive liar at this point, but it's it's... They're like white lies because it's like, I, I just, I just, I don't want to get into any fights. You know, I don't want to cause any problems. But then the list thing, and that's kind of a whole different thing. And, and, and again, part of the issue with all these lies, with the exception of maybe COVID, is like, who cares? Maybe the answering the phone thing, but, but you know, you should have just answered the phone. But, but now we're getting into stuff that is so irrelevant that you're lying about. <laughs> again, reminds me of the office with Kelly talking to Ryan. Found the transcript because I could not remember how it goes, but it was when Ryan was pretending to be Kelly's boss for the new boss because he doesn't actually have a job. And he's like, what would I have done for you? I would have lied for you. And she says, yeah, but you lie all the time. You lie for no reason. You just like to lie. He says, I'd die for you too. <laughs> she says, you really would? But anyways, it, it just it just feels like that. Like that's, that's an easy escape is to just make something up and just, I don't know, just go away. But in this case, it's weird because he chose, it's not like somebody came to you, right? Somebody approached him with the vaccine thing and was like, give me an answer. Somebody approached him with the cell phone thing and was like, give me an answer. This was, I'm going to go on there and I'm going to take umbrage with this reporter, pretend I don't know her name, to be condescending, and be like, list? Like, who said I demanded anything? Which again, she never said demanded. That was something that got made up that Rogers ran with, but she never said that. She never said list of demands. And then he goes into this weird thing, knowing full well that he has requested these players to come to the Jets. He's going to go on Pat McAfee and be like, I wasn't wearing a robe and slippers. Like, what? <laughs> Rogers, what are we doing here, man? I mean, he's done a great job of being the guy that doesn't care what people think, but he's also terrible being the guy that doesn't care what people think. You know, he's like Mr. Joe Cool, all this stuff, but he would be much better off just not caring. You know, 
in retrospect, Rogers, you get the vaccine? Nope. I've consulted with numerous doctors. Here are their names. Here are their credentials. I have an allergy. I can't get the shot. I've already addressed it with the team. They're fine with it. The coaches are fine with it. We're fine with it. I'm going to do everything I need to do as far as protocols. End of story. What's going on with uh, Gutekunst and not answering his phone calls? Which, again, best thing would have been to just answer the phone calls. But once you get to that point, what do you say? Rather than making up, I don't have cell service and I only talk on whatever he said it was, FaceTime, just say, I don't care. They moved on. I moved on. I'm trying to focus on other stuff. So... Uh, as far as the, the, the particulars and the details, he and my agent worked that out. They're really, you know, I'm, I'm sorry he wanted some kind of closure, but I, I, we, you know, I'd already moved on. And let the chips fall where they may. What about the list? What should he have said? Rather than, I wasn't, like, wearing slippers in a, in a flowing gown. Instead of saying nonsense, just say exactly what your head coach said. First of all, th- these aren't a list of demands, which, again, she didn't say that, but just to be clear... I'm not demanding anything. I've talked to the coaches. They've asked me about players that I would like to work with, and I've talked to them about the benefits of having certain guys on the team. I'm not going to discuss who those are, but we had those discussions. Of course I have people that I would love to be on this team, just like the head coach has people that he likes on the team, just like the offensive coordinator, just like Tom Brady, just like everybody else. It was a very basic discussion. No big deal. But again, he just makes it so much worse by making stuff up. So again, he just needs to do a better job of really not giving a crap. Because I think he does a good job of pretending to be the guy who doesn't give a crap, but he gives way too much of a crap. So we'll see how it goes moving forward. He seems happier now. Maybe he'll feel less need to be defensive. I don't know. But that would be my takeaway from looking back at Aaron Rodgers over the last couple years is just do a better job of telling people to screw off. Because even though that's kind of what you're doing, it's kind of not. In other words, instead of saying, I didn't do anything wrong, just say, I did do that, and I don't give a crap. And if you got something to say, screw you. Some people won't like it, but who cares? That's what not caring what people think is all about. This is what I did. I did it because I felt like it, and I don't care what you think. Anyways, uh, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support the podcast if you do, in fact, feel uh, compelled to do so. Also, please consider uh, checking out Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry at FertileGroundRanch.org. See if that is something that is in line with your values that you'd be willing to support. That would be great. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. 
Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, party people, let's party hard. All right, we've had some pretty good debates on Packernet After Dark, but yes. I got a new question for not only Ryan, but everybody who is listening in right now. All right, you ready? Okay. Tucker Craft walks into a room. Chuck Norris walks in after him. Who leaves that room alive? Go. Wow. Um, is that what is that what is referred to as the singularity, or because um, I feel like that's what we're talking about here? Hey Ryan, Goose here. Hey, Goose calling in, thinking about the draft, and a lot of people are really disliking or questioning some of the picks. They don't like Reed. We should have had Hyatt. We shouldn't have took that. By the way. And again, this is going to sound biased, but I've I've been honest through this whole thing. You've heard me talk down Hyatt toward the end of this whole draft process. Having watched Reed, I would take Hyatt in a second. To me, he seems to be every bit as fast, clearly a better route runner. Um, I understand he had one good game against Alabama, but I just I I could not see it with Hyatt, and um. With with Reed, it was one of those things, and this is why I struggle with some people, because some people kind of just immediately, like, holy crap. Other people, you really got to dig. Lucas Van Ness, I, I guess I didn't really have to dig. It's just, you know, you immediately see it, but that's all there is. It's just the, the pushing. Um, but Hyatt, I just, I never really saw it. I, I mean, I saw the stats, but in terms of, like, him doing something that's like, oh, dang, that was crazy. Nothing really. So... I, again, just well, I, I I guess I wouldn't encourage you to go back and watch Hyatt because it's just going to make you mad. I guess if you really do like him, so learn to appreciate Reed. I guess I draw her at the in the first round, which I mean, like, that's how I felt too. I, I was pro tackle. That was what I felt our top yeah. need was. Same, but. What we have to remember is that these guys that are doing this. This is their full-time job. They've essentially gone to a specialized university for this. Not really, but you get my right. point. They've gone through so much training. They've learned so much about football that we don't know that we got to just put a little bit of trust in what they're doing. Goody's done a pretty good job in the draft of picking good players. So let, let's trust him. And he might be wrong even then, even with his advantages but trust him that he knows what to do better than we do. Um, the analogy I want to use, because a lot of people, their feelings are stirred up by how the media perceives these players and what they have to say on them. If, if the consensus makes right, then there was a time where the consensus said that the sun circled around the earth and the earth was flat. Consensus does not mean correct. Consensus just means that you're going with the crowd. And I kind of like that Goody is going against the crowd in some of these moves because, let's face it, most of the teams in the NFL suck. So 
give it time, take a chance to get to know these players, root for them, cheer for them, instead of giving up in your feelings about not getting the guys you liked, which we only picked one player that I kind of liked, I, I'm right there with you guys. There's guys I like, and we didn't get them. But you got to just set the ego aside. They're Packers now. Let's cheer for them. Let's hope for the best for them because they're Packers. And we love the Packers. We want this team to go do well, so we want these players to do well. Don't root against your team. Don't be that fan. Uh, and the other thing is give them a chance to play before we write them off. Well, I made that mistake before, and I am trying not to do it again. Even if the pick surprised me on draft day, I take a moment to reframe my mind. The goose didn't call back in, so I guess he <clears throat> left it at that. But, yeah, and I, you know, again, I've, I've mentioned this several times. I don't really want to repeat myself, but want to, I guess, somewhat answer it. But I, I guess the only way I can say it is you know for a fact that these guys know more than you. You also know for a fact that that doesn't mean that they're good at their job. So, again, the only logical thing we can come back to is nobody knows, including the GMs. Nobody knows. Everybody did their best. Now it's just a pile of guys on a bunch of different teams, and nobody on planet Earth has any idea who of, of among this pile is going to be good at anything. So everything is just a guess. So your quote-unquote analysis, if it is negative, is only that because you choose it to be. Because you have to acknowledge you don't know, right? So, so basically we are all guessing, and then at this point we all get to choose whether we choose to guess negatively or guess positively, right? The only other thing that you can do is, is again, like from an analytic standpoint, say generally speaking these things are positive and these things are negative, but we'll see how it pans out, right? I mean, you could say, statistically speaking, it would be better to take this edge rusher than that running back, but if the edge rusher is a bust and the running back is the best in football, then t technically speaking, the running back was better, even though the process was garbage and it doesn't make it a good pick, but still, I mean, the, the point is we still just have to wait and see how it all pans out. And again, ultimately, negativity is entirely just your choice to be negative. Now, that that, that isn't... I, I don't want to take away your ability to say, you know, I spent a lot of time looking at this and I really didn't like this prospect. That's fine, but there still has to be some level of separation there because I think a lot of people take that negativity and then they say garbage pick. Now you've taken it too far because you don't know. You can just say, I didn't like it and I don't understand it. But when you go so far as to say, therefore, Gutekunst messed up or the team messed up or even any other team, the Bears are stupid to take this guy or whatever. If it's just based on your evaluation and your scouting abilities, Let's be completely honest about who has the upper hand here. You or Brian Gutekunst and his army of uh, scouting minions. Hello. Uh, caller number five just got back from some bar trivia. Ended in second to last place with my team. Oh, nice. Uh, the last place team did only play one of four rounds. So <laughs> you make that of, you make whatever you will of that. Sure. Um, you know, we had a good time and the beer was cold, so okay. <laughs> I was ready for Packers trivia, man. I was not ready for 
pre-2010 country music trivia. Oof. That was one of the categories. Come on. Anyway. Um, I give you credit, though. I would never go to one of those. I, I just I don't want to know how stupid I am. And I know I suck at trivia. Because, again, it's one of those things where even if I think I know the answer, I can't think of it. You, you guys know that. I sit here and I, I can't think of, like, I can never remember Aaron Donald's name. I'm shocked that I just remembered it right now. can never remember the guy's name. So you could ask me the most basic question, like this um, defensive tackle drafted out of Pitt in whatever year it was, 2013 or something, I don't know. It's considered by some, you know, just doing Jeopardy vernacular, to be the greatest defensive tackle of all time. And I'd sit there at the table going, oh, it's freaking, come on, you idiots, you don't, it's, this quarterback for the Packers, oh no, oh no. Like, the easier it is, the more I'm going to be scared, because it's like, oh, don't make me mess this one up. I would actually appreciate, like, pre-2010 country, because when, when I don't know, I don't care. Like, yeah, I don't freaking know. But I'm, what, am I an idiot? I, how would I know that? My question about the Packers, since this is a Packers podcast, oh, no. was... not trivia. Uh, a lot is being being made of the vertical, the way, the way we're going to be able to stretch defenses vertically with yeah. um, Musgrave and Watson, the way we're going to be able to stretch them horizontally with Dobbs and uh, Jaden Reed. Sure. Um, and then Tucker Crafts feels like a chain mover, like a dump it off to him. Uh, he pretends to block for a second and gets out and, and, and runs it up the field and, and, you know, takes three or four people to tackle him. Yep. Uh, but one thing that I think is, which is crazy, is going unnoticed, is what happens if our run blocking improves this year? Like, yeah. a lot of, a lot of our run plays are, our backs were being hit in the backfield last year. What happens if that improves? What happens if, if our guys take a step in the run blocking scheme. Like, how do you stop an offense that can do everything? Right. Um, assuming, of course, Jordan Love is good, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, yeah, my thoughts are if we get a very good jump in our run blocking, we'll be an incredibly efficient, and that's the main word, efficient offense. Yeah. Um, which I think would – I originally said this was probably a seven-win season. If we get that run-blocking jump and these any of these guys that I just mentioned are even, you know, capable at all, <laughs> uh, we'll probably end up in the in the 9-10 win, um, even even as high as 11. So uh, just curious about your thoughts on the run-blocking and, and uh, if you agree it would make a big jump for us. Yeah, I mean, it, look, it's not going to be the easiest thing in the world to replace um, Mercedes. In other words, you know, looking at it and saying, could we be even better? I think if we had added maybe a an offensive tackle and a couple tight ends, maybe. But, I mean, Lucas Musgrave, Luke Musgrave, whatever, um, I, I don't think he's expected to be a very good blocking tight end. So I don't know that we get a ton there. So really we're talking about Tucker Craft. And honestly, from there, what we're talking about is can Tucker Craft replace Mercedes Lewis? And again, that's a tall order. Now, if you look at SIS, he's actually our worst run-blocking tight end in terms of his blown block percentage. So you could look at that and be like, oh, dang, maybe he was kind of overrated, which again, I think a lot of the time he was. But that isn't to say he was bad, right? Because we're talking about 2%. So what did he do on the 98% that wasn't a blown block? Right, we're not talking about overall value when we talk about blown blocks. We're just talking about how many times do you miss, and he missed more often than any other tight end. Maybe it's just from the slow movement. Some of the guys can get inside, outside of him, or whatever, and he just couldn't get his hands on him. I don't know. But if you just look at overall value, if we look at, for example, the 
P-A-R, which is kind of like war or whatever. Mercedes Lewis was graded just for blocking as the fourth best um, tight end. If you want some more bad news, they had Robert Tunyon as the ninth best tight end. Uh, but if you look at it specifically pass blocking, they had Mercedes third. And then run blocking, which Tunyon probably didn't do a ton, but he he was graded as the seventh best run blocking tight end. Mercedes Lewis is the 13th best run blocking tight end. That's uh, based on points above average. Now, it's it's somewhat of an iffy stat. It's the best that they have. And, and the reason I say that is because the way that they add the points is you look at how good was the play, how many points were added, and then you distribute it across the blockers. So if Aaron Jones breaks a run and then scores a touchdown, obviously that's a lot of points, and then you get credit for that as a blocker. It's not probably the most perfect thing, but it, it's it's still better than nothing. And these are the two guys that we're losing. All right, if you look for Josiah DeGuara, he is uh, 62nd. Pass blocking, he's 79th in points above average. Now, he has a 0% blown block rate, right? He's, he's technically sound or whatever, but it just it's apparently, according to SIS, just not working all that great. So, I mean, honestly, if I had to guess, I, I would be a little surprised if we didn't go backwards, losing two guys that seem to do a pretty good job blocking and adding in Musgrave, who probably is not a good blocker at all, and Tucker Craft, who seems like he has some ability, but let's be honest, I don't think he's going to be a replacement for Mercedes Lewis. I think maybe the one positive is the whole blocking on the run thing, getting out in space. We've got younger, much more athletic guys, and so I think they're going to have a much... They're going to do a much better job with that. It's the one positive I could add. Hey, Ryan Denham, California. Hey. So this Jordan Love contract, you know, a lot of people are just seeing it as, um, you know, paying him now to give him some money in his pocket or spreading his fifth-year option in over two years, and, you know, however you want to look at it. But strategically, I think it's, Green Bay preparing to open up another playoff window. Our cap gets a little bit better next year and then a lot better the year after. And it's setting it up to where, um, you know, if he doesn't have that great of a year this year or if it's good enough. And then next year is when they start the, the contract uh, talks. The following year after that, so 2023, 24, 2025, we're going to be at a point where he's got backloaded money now in his contract, so he's going to be a light salary cap hit. Um, if he's performing at a high level and we have a lot, a lot of salary cap space, they're going to probably open a playoff window for 2025 and 2026 through free agency, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. Because it kind of it makes sense with just uh, the way the roster is set up. You got all these depth, uh, all these players, multiple first rounders from multiple seasons, and all these guys that are late rounders that have outperformed. And I know some, you, a lot of teams get to a point where they can't pay everybody, but you know, besides a few guys, all of our guys are young. So I think they're preparing for a playoff window, um, maybe a year, two years down the road. So, let me know your thoughts. Go back, go. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it, you know, you can choose how much you, you want to believe the words coming from the GM and the coach. I mean, granted, they're not going to come out and say, um, 
what you're saying, right? Well, no, we, we plan on winning in a couple of years, but I still think the way that they're doing things feels like a team that believes that they can win right now, right? I mean, again, with like the, the Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones thing, maybe not Bakhtiari as much because I don't think they really were able to do anything with him, but, you know, wanting to keep Aaron Jones around and I just think that they could have done things a little bit better um, to focus less on this year and, and more on the future. And, and I suppose, you know, all of this helps Jordan Love anyways. But, I mean, in, in reality, even though in the back of their minds they, they might realize that it's unlikely, although it's unlikely for all 32 teams every year, just statistically speaking. But if you look at it from where you're at and you say, listen, I, I'm not 100% sure what Jordan Love is, but we know he's made some massive strides. And we know he's shown some ability that mirrors the ability of, of what would be a talented starting quarterback. We also know there are teams all around the league that don't have like top three quarterbacks that are still getting it done. We know that we have an offensive line that we like. We know that we've loaded up like nine weapons for Jordan Love over the last two years. We know we have maybe the best running back duo in football. We really like our corners. We've done a lot to our defensive front and believe in it immensely. We've invested a ton in our linebackers. And although we have questions at safety, there is no real reason why we shouldn't really make a run at this. I mean, anybody can sit back and go, yeah, but I mean, we're not the Chiefs or we're not the Bill. Dude, who gives a crap? And they're not us. So what? The Packers last year weren't either, and the year before that they weren't. Just because you're not the consensus number one team in football doesn't mean you don't try. So I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I believe them when they say, they're not looking at this as a rebuild. And whatever rebuilding that needed to be done, it's done. And again, you can look at, well, there's a hole here and a hole there. All 32 teams have holes somewhere. Every single one of them. Areas where they could improve. But you, you stitch it together as best as you can, you get back on the battlefield. You know what I mean? Now, with that said, if we're being honest about when is the Packers window probably going to peak, it's probably not this year. Even if Jordan Love is the guy and all these receivers are great, they're not going to peak in their first years, or, or in Watson and Dobbs and Ture's case, year two. Even if every single one of these guys hits, you think about two, three, four, five years from now. That's where the peak is. But that's the good thing. So are we taking a legitimate swing this year? Yes. But the great news is this is one of hopefully many, many, many swings with a very young and very talented group. And as we go along with hopefully a much better uh, contract situation, although again, even if we have one, it probably won't be for long because we're going to have to start paying all these guys, including Jordan Love, which might be very expensive very soon, depending on how good of a job he does. But we'll, we'll have a draft every single year. We got potentially two first-round picks next year. So if Jordan Love is the guy, guess what? We get to add more help. If that means offensive line, which sounds like it's a pretty deep class at this point, then offensive line it is. Grab a tackle and heck, grab two tackles. Replace Bakhtiari and you get a right tackle all in one swing. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know when the window peaks, but I, I do think it starts today. I, I think this is a legitimate, this is our squad, this is our team, and we're going for it. What's going on? It's Omar Firefighter. How y'all doing? Hey, man. All right. Uh, I'm trying to be quick. I think, uh, you know, which I'm pretty sure you everybody real now, um, that our wide receiver, Jaden Reed, is probably good. But the, the um, main reason so many people have an issue with it is because if this guy is that good, how come he, like, wasn't on a lot of people's board or the mainstream board? Like, that's why we never heard of him. If it was a receiver that we least heard his name, you know, in the top ten, we probably would have felt better. Also, I think 
at least for me, and I'm pretty sure for a lot of people who, who complained about that pick at that time, because, again, I'm a fan of it now, but at that time I was complaining. Yeah. Um, is the fact that I didn't want to be another DK Metcalf type of deal. So, whereas I, I wanted DK Metcalf back in the day, and it was like I was super high on him, and he just kept dropping and dropping. I'm like, why is he dropping? Like, he got speed. He got everything. Like, he's going to be great. He's going to be good. And maybe that might be the only time a lot of people was right. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> <laughs> he fell as well. Right. But, you know, to have that happen, so... Let's say if I'm just Hyatt, because a lot of fans want to hide. Let's say Hyatt turns out to be like Dag on Tyreek Hill. We're going to be pissed because we was like, yo, we could have got him right. three times, you know. Right. So that's what I think the fear is. Um, so that's the major fear of it. But like I said, I'm on, I'm, I'm feeling a lot better. I'm, I'm kind of loving like a lot of our picks. So I'm just going to have faith in Goody and, and hope that, you know, Reed could be a killer slot. You know, and, and we'll see what happens. Um, also, I had to speed up to the draft, so I I was missing probably missed about maybe two or three podcasts. So I'm gonna catch up back on. But uh, I'll try. How how you like all the movies, man? Did you watch all of them? What was your I, favorite of the ones you didn't see before? See I missed any. Give me a uh, give me a a rundown of what your favorite movie was or one of them that you didn't see yet. So also, I wanted to hear your thoughts on Train of Busan as well. So I'm going to get a little bit off the draft and go back to the movies from up there. All right, go back, go. Well, we'll start with the movie. I don't have any in here. I think might be missing one, but Dust Till Dawn is already a fantastic movie, as I've said. Um, I think I'm just to the point now where it's like once you get to the ending, it's just like, all right, that's enough. Um, Demon Knight. I actually started watching it. I didn't finish it, um, but I, I have seen that. That's one of those ones I watched over and over again. Fantastic movie. Um, Freaky was just hilarious. I mean, I, I, I could not... I was dying. It's one of those things where I... You know, you see the killer's face, and I didn't even recognize him. I didn't know that was him. Until they switched bodies, and he woke up, and I'm like, are you serious? What's happening right now? And then the, the funniest part about it, if you haven't seen Freaky, this is like... Most of these movies, let's be honest, that you gave me, Omar, you, you seem to have a... Either you have a style, or you just sent me a certain style, but... All of these movies have an element of just being really, really stupid. It's like I watched uh, The Hateful Eight yesterday. Not a very good movie. It's like I was talking to Blaine yesterday, and I was like, I think Quentin Tarantino's to the point in his career where he just wants to see how many times he can get people to say the N-word. And uh, I don't think anyone's going to break that record, because I'm pretty sure it was like 900 times in that movie. But it was just, it was just the acting was just bad. But a lot of these, and, and, and they're good actors, so it's like they're trying, it's it's... Like, the way it's being portrayed is like it's meant to be kind of stupid, and the writing is kind of so bad, it's just, it's kind of meant to, it's, it's, it's really weird. It's like, I know it's bad, and it's meant to be bad, and it's cheesy, and it's stupid. But you've got, uh, what's his name? See, here we go with the stupid names again. Now I, now I gotta go to Google. All these things take time. Vince Vaughn, okay. I should know his name. That's who everybody says I look like, which uh, it freaks me. Anybody ever tell you that? Like, oh, you, everybody says you look like this guy. And you look at him like, first of all, I don't. Second of all, I don't want to look like that guy. You always think you're better looking until, until people tell you who you look like. I'm not saying Vince Vaughn's an ugly guy. It's just like you, you see yourself a certain way and they're like, oh, you look exact. No, dude, I'm, I'm, uh, it's different. It's different than that. It's better. So, <laughs> but anyways, picture a really stupid movie that is well beneath Vince Vaughn in which Vince Vaughn's role is to act like a woman 
and in this case, a teenage girl. So the entire time he's acting like a little teenage girl. And at one point, Vince Vaughn pretending to be a teenage girl running around with an Aaron Rodgers mask on. That's just, that's just peak greatness there. I don't know what else to say. And then wrong turn. Was that the, was that the alligator one? The other really stupid one? Oh no, that was Hatchet. There we go, Hatchet. Which one was wrong turn? Is that where they got their own society or whatever? I can't remember if that was one you sent me or one I just watched on my own, but it's like this little, little society out in the middle of the woods. I think that's what it was. That's pretty good. I will say it's not necessarily like the slasher thing. I learned to appreciate it, but it's definitely not like my favorite. It, it, it kind of feels to me to be like if 12-year-old me and my 12-year-old friends came up with a movie, this is kind of what these movies would be. Like just ridiculous, over the top. Like you don't just kill people, you like butcher them and you know, you know, it's and it, even like the way it happens, it's it's like this cheesy kind of like for example, I'm looking at I I just googled wrong turn because I wanted to see some images here and there's one where it looks like a young lady was shot with an arrow from behind. And it wasn't just like shot with an arrow and fell down. It was in the back of the head. And it wasn't just in the back of the head, it also went through and then there's like through the eye socket and then the eye is on the eye. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just it's over the top to where it's like, okay. All right, dude. Freaking let's calm down. It just has that again, twelve year old like, dude, that's so cool. As opposed to like, I guess being a good movie, but then make her head explode for no reason. That'd be amazing, bro. But I will say I there wasn't one I didn't enjoy, and, and again, two of them are already in my mind classics. Um as far as the DK Metcalf thing, I, I get it. And that's always going to be a fear no matter what. There's going to be a guy that went off that we could have had that we didn't take. So you just hope that the guys that we got are good so you don't really have to worry about it. It doesn't become like a Kevin King thing where it's like, yeah, you traded back instead of drafting TJ Watt and then you drafted Kevin King and holy crap, was that terrible. Because we're going to hear about it for the next five, ten years. But you never know. And you certainly don't want to draft somebody just out of fear of that if you don't like them. Um, but... The, again, the, the thing about Jaden Reed is I felt that exact same way, and then immediately after the pick, I found out that a lot of people actually were really high on him. I just didn't see it. He wasn't high as far as consensus because some people were extremely low, so he kind of averaged out to like 120 or something, which is really low. But again, immediately I'm seeing articles and I'm seeing big boards, and he's really high for a lot of people. And most people, it's like, I can't believe people are sleeping on him. And then after the pick, when everybody discovers him, like myself included, it's the same kind of thing where it's a lot of people that just didn't really get around to it or looking at it going, oh yeah, I guess we messed that up. And now a lot of other people are jumping on the board like, oh no, he's going to be really good. Like, well, you didn't say that before. And again, it doesn't matter in the end. I mean, if he's better than he's better and that's great, but it does suck a little bit because it's like, man, it would have been nice if there was just super hype like Jaden Reed could be like maybe the second one off the board after JSN. He could potentially be a mid first round pick and then we get him with our, you know, kind of mid-second round pick, and it's like, dang, we got him, I can't believe it. Instead of like, who the heck is Jaden I didn't even look at him yet. I looked at 140 prospects. I have not seen him yet. I think I looked at 148. But the only other thing I'll add is um, you mentioned hopefully he's a good slot. I hope he is a good slot. I don't think he's just going to be a slot, though. I legitimately think there's going to be a lot of times, for example, if there's three receivers, Watson, Dobbs, Reed, I don't know that it isn't Watson, Reed. Or Dobbs read when you go down to two. I don't think it's just pull him and put Watson and Dobbs out there and call it a day because again he doesn't. I don't think he quite has Christian Watson speed, but he is definitely the second fastest receiver we have after that. And um, I wouldn't necessarily be shocked. Maybe Dobbs is that dude. 
I wouldn't be shocked if Reed is maybe the best route runner of the entire group that we have. And again, he's not that small. He's like 5'11", 195-ish. Which anytime there's a five there, it freaks people out because it's like that dollar ninety nine thing. It's like it's two dollars, not a dollar. It's it's two. Don't fall for that crap. The guy's six foot tall, almost two hundred pounds. We see the five, and then we see the one instead of like six and two, six foot two hundred something. So our mind just immediately goes to like he's I don't know he's like five nine one seventy five or something stupid. He's a tiny slot jerk. No, just think of him as six foot two hundred. Okay, because he's closer to that than whatever it is you're putting in your mind about him being like you know, 5'9", 180. And again, it, it, it is exciting when you think about his ceiling because it's almost like he's a blend of Watson and Dobbs. He's not as big as Watson, but you take Watson-esque speed and match it with the route running ability and the route tree of a Romeo Dobbs. I'm just saying, just don't, don't sleep on the guy. All right, I am, uh, no, you know, let's do one more. Let's do one more. Hey, what's going on? This old modified fighter. How y'all doing? What up? I'm at the gym right now, so sorry for all the backup noise. All right. Uh, I just got the notification that Randall Cobb signed with the Jets, which is hilarious to me. I'm like, I don't feel like they're getting better. I feel like they're getting worse. And just bringing Rogers' friends in along, and that might get Rogers to play a little bit better. But overall, I'm sure there are way more better receivers than Randall Cobb available. And they decided to bring him in, just like they decided to pay Lazard all that money, which I believe is he's not worth all that. But I'm happy for him because he seemed like a good guy. Uh, I just think it's crazy, man, but uh, it's, I feel like they're going to fall right on their face. But, hey, the most important thing, I guess, is Aaron Rodgers happy. So, he, happy Aaron Rodgers, I guess, gets you a Super Bowl or closer to it, I, I guess. But I just think it's ridiculous. Um, I... I actually like the fact that a lot of people are sleeping on my team. Like, I got all my friends thinking that we're going to be last in the division. How the Bears got so much better. The Vikings are just already better in general. And, you know, that we're going to be the last in the division. And the Lions are like the favorites. So I can't wait to see and find out what's going to happen. But I, I just think the New York Jets are turning into the New York Packers. And I think it's ridiculous and crazy. Uh, so anyway, go back. Go. Oh yeah, this this is a funny thing that I just think it's funny. Uh, also, my ex goes to my gym, so it's always crazy. I see her, I run into her. It's like zero feelings friendly. It's just I always think it's just funny that that happens. Out of all the gyms, uh, end up going to mine, and we don't live close to each other. Anyway, go back. Go. Yeah, as far as the Jets thing, I, I guess for me it just feels like you're setting a ceiling. Because, you know, PFF just did this recently. Somebody had sent it to me, um, which I, of course, lost it. But um, <clears throat> they were talking about the Jets, and they were like, when was the last time Aaron Rodgers played with a group this talented? And they were like, well, we'd have to go all the way back to 2021. <laughs> and they went through it. And, you know, and, and again, part of that is, you have Lazard, they had Lazard. You have Rodgers, they had or, or, or Randall. They, you know, so when you have the same players, you can't expect a better result, especially when you're an older version of even what they had in 2021, right? Um, so it, it just feels like there's a ceiling there. Rather than giving them something new and saying, you never know, maybe this, maybe, maybe, maybe. There's no maybes. We know what Rodgers and Lazard is. We know what Rodgers and Randall is. Right? And we know what it isn't. And so you look at it and say, even if 
Garrett Wilson becomes the number one wide receiver. That's what Devontae was. So it's like the exact same offense with a much worse offensive line. And not quite as good running backs, even if we're going to do this whole gushing over Brees Hall thing, which, you know, who knows? Maybe he is going to be an elite running back, whatever, which basically means he's going to be Aaron Jones. Maybe. I don't know. But again, you're, you're not giving yourself an opportunity to be better. You're just rebuilding the same team, but worse. I get the defense thing, but again, I, I, I don't know where their defense is going to end up. Again, I think, you know, most of the time people just have way too short term of memories right everything that was last year must be again next year that's just how everybody views everything it's just silly right i mean the 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 packers defense coming into this year was going to be elite and then it was bad so now everybody assumes it just has to be bad why well it was last year okay okay what was the jets defense last year it was very good what was it two years ago with almost the exact same players oh it was crap oh okay so anyways i'm gonna leave it at that you guys have a good rest of your night i will talk to you tomorrow have a good one Bye bye